Hello you festive fudge lovers, it's Chappie, your dearest British butler and host of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, and we've reached the enormous levels, the enormity of 145 episodes. I'm hoping you're feeling some of that festive joy, I hope you're ensconced next to a fire, warming those cockles and uh, polishing those baubles, getting ready for the holiday season. Uh, Preparation is the key. I mean, what am I talking? I'm not even practicing what I preach here. I'm so far behind, so far behind. And then I have the fear of wrapping presents. Firstly, I'm not very talented at wrapping presents. Secondly, I sort of cut myself on those uh, tape wrapping dispensers. And then I end up with tape all around me. I'm basically sort of bound and gagged in uh, in my own basement as I try to wrap all the presents is that's how much uh, tape I like to use. And, you know, I try to make one look like a cracker with uh, two ends and a bow on both ends. You know, the cracker present shape always explodes. Try to put everything into a shoebox, but we don't always have that many shoeboxes. And then one is beautifully triangular at the end and one is a little more oblong at the end. So there is basically no symmetry and pure mediocrity running through the whole wrapping process is an absolute abomination to be honest and uh, I do have great fear when it comes to wrapping and everybody like you know beautifully wrapped presents and I sort of bring the presents in and uh, try to distract somebody maybe I bring a bottle of booze and put it at the front oh look at this oh yeah pour yourself a glass or something and then go and hide the presents right at the back so they can't see how badly wrapped my presents are compared to everybody else's because it really looks like a pig's ear has wrapped it. Or maybe a pig's ear is, is one of the presents. I mean, it could be that. But I go into like really giving pig's ears or lucky rabbit foots or anything like that. I mean, it's not uh, not, the, not really the, the, the done thing uh, for modern day Christmas. I don't think pig's ears are lucky, by the way. But I know rabbit's feet are lucky. So um, not so lucky for the poor rabbit. So again, probably something from... A bygone age and we like to celebrate bygone ages here on keep coming cauliflower cheese so i and come to you from the past today uh, when you're listening to this i mean it's always slightly in the past but it's more in the past uh we're not you know i'm not going back in the tardis or that beautiful uh, car delorean from back to the future no 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 i'm not um not doing that but uh, i'm trying to get into the friday mood on a wednesday so i recorded this podcast on a wednesday and uh, and trying to feel in the Friday mood, but it's sort of hump day. And, uh, you know, I've got the hump. Um, maybe I need to get over the hump. Uh, don't know if I'll be having a hump. Uh, I mean, all of these things, trying to scramble over the hump of the week is, uh, is quite challenging. And um, trying to boost yourselves up uh, for the weekend when it's a Wednesday is a little bit challenging, but there's still a long way to go. But I hopefully will be having a lovely relaxing time, maybe a hot bath, hot bubble bath, and thinking of England as all the bubbles disappear. What is it about bubble baths these days? The bubbles don't seem to last as long as they used to. I mean, I'm beginning to sound like a grumpy old man, aren't I? What used to be, boy? No, 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 no. But the bubbles aren't so vociferous as they used to be. Anyway, I'm trying to get myself uh, motivated, and, uh, and really drilled, dialed in and drilled in uh, to the podcast today. But I am feeling a little bit congested. So I thought I you know, popped over to the shops and I thought I would try 
to um, get one of those vapory bath bomb things. Well, it's actually a shower bomb. It's called a shower bomb. Well, I don't think it's an incendiary device or anything, but it's a, a shower bomb from a very well-known company where you normally get the uh, ointment and you rub it on your feet or your chest or anything, but it's in the form of a shower bomb. So you put it under the shower. So I'm going to take you, the cauliflower cheese listener, keep calm cauliflower cheese listener, into the bathroom with me. No, not like that. And I'm going to have a shower. And I'm going to describe to you in nauseating, well, hopefully not nauseating, because my nasal passages will hopefully be clear, along with all every other passage, hopefully. That's what I'm hoping will occur when I explode this incendiary shower bomb in my shower and, uh, and breathe in all the vapors. And hopefully the vapors will emanate to you, the Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese listener. You'll feel refreshed and ready for your weekend after experiencing the audio bath bomb experience that I will be describing to you whilst I'm in the shower. We're going to see if it works. It may not work, but uh, we'll give it a good, honest try. Uh, so um, next time you'll hear from me, I'm going to be uh, maneuvering all the equipment into the bathroom. I mean, it sounds very dangerous, doesn't it? Uh, I promise uh, nobody will be harmed in this experiment. Well, uh, if it is anybody harmed, it'll be me. Uh, but uh, we'll see how things go and how refreshed I'll feel after the experience. Okay, so I'm now positioned in the bathroom. Now, I have to remember to take my socks off here. So I'm just removing the socks. I don't normally shower with socks on. I mean, that's a very silly thing to do. Now, I wear a knotted handkerchief to the beach, but so now I have this shower, shower bomb, and it says you should not eat or swallow. Um, contains campbell, menthol, eucalyptus, oil, nutmeg oil, seed leaf oil, Oh, it sounds so refreshing. And dare I say, a little bit Christmassy. I mean, wouldn't you love to get like a Christmas pudding bath bomb? Or a mince pie? Or maybe a turkey gravy bath bomb. They would love to smell that. But this is in fact, this is a shower bomb. So, I mean, I haven't got anything to open, so I can use my teeth. So hopefully I won't get poisoned. As I said, hopefully none of the equipment will be damaged. I will not be damaged. Um, if I do, then this is my last will and testament on the podcast. Um, anyway, and I'm going to open up this bath bomb, try not to taste it. I'm going to open up my teeth. Yeah, I mean, I may need something sharper to, uh, to open this little bit of beauty up. Yeah. I, yeah, British teeth don't really work when it comes to opening up. So just hold on a second, if you don't mind. No, hold on a second. Hold on one side. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. So, yes, a warning, don't use your teeth to open up the packet for the bath bomb. Not a a good idea. So, anyway, I'm now going to enter, enter the shower. I'm now pulling back the curtains, a little bit polonious behind the arras, but I'll be behind my arras, not my arse, my arras, in the shower. So I'm hopping into the shower. Oh, it's a little, it's a little warm, it's a little toasty. But I like it nice and hot. So hopefully you can still hear me. 
Yes, it's your dear bubbler right in the shower here. And we're going to drop this bath bomb into the shower. And we'll see what happens. So put it down into the shower. And we'll see what happens. And it's dissolving slightly. Oh, and the essence of menthol is, uh, is rather, rather lovely here. Now I'm going to move it over slightly with my foot. It's like a cloud of menthol. And it's a, it's a beautiful sort of refreshing smell and scent going on here. It's making one's eyes water. So you have to be a little bit careful. You know, you may find that uh, your eyes will water during this experiment. But you know what? If you wake up and you're a little bit congested, this could be the solution for you. If you've got a busy day ahead and you need a clear head and a clear mind, the bath bomb could be... I mean, it's quite a strong scent. It's a little bit... It's releasing quite a thick vapour. I mean, it's not like a London fog or anything. I can still... I can still see everything. I, I know what I'm washing, so to speak. I can see... <laughs> I can see what I need to wash. And probably what doesn't need to be washed. So the vapour's not that thick. But it's a, it's a beautifully eucalyptusy smell. And it's really... Um, it's really beginning to... Really beginning to clear the passages. Nasal passages, let me add that, you naughty, naughty folks. But I highly recommend it. I think we all wake up a little bit congested these days. And I really think the uh, holiday shower bomb, the holiday bath bomb, will be wonderful. But I love the smell of eucalyptus. You know what, I think doing this and then sucking on a, on a cough lozenge, a menthol cough lozenge, could possibly be heaven. Anyway, yes, can you just give me a little bit of privacy here? I, I need to, uh, I need to, I need to, I need to scrub the, the undercarriage and the crown jewels here. And I, uh, yes, I, I'm just going to turn you off. So a little bit of privacy here. I'll be back with you shortly. Yes, many of you probably uh, don't believe that I've just uh, covered myself in uh, eucalyptus vapour. Well, I am in the bathroom. I mean, I'll prove it. I know this is a little, that's a little bit crude, I know, but there we go. Yes, I am in the bathroom. And as I said, I have a very, very flimsy towel rail. Now, for you, the listener, I'm going to prove to you that I have a very flimsy towel rail. It'll take me hours to try to get it up again. I'm talking with the towel rail. And um, I can't hang any towels on it because it just collapses. But here is my flimsy towel rail that Travis will need to come and fix. Yes, there we go. It tumbles down again to the ether and uh, it's, it's used to no men. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it'll be a Christmas miracle if it ever stays up, to be honest. So. Uh, you'll do us hoses out of the uh, out of the shower now and some of the th things that we may or may not be talking about 
on the podcast today. And it's a quite a quite a packed show, as always. But we're going to be talking pottery for pups. What does that mean? Also, my issue with uh, holes in crotches and all of my trousers. Uh, also, British Siri. Uh, why my hairdresser is still upset that I cheated with her with Floyd's barbers. Uh, also, try to put your... Uh, different size pillows into the wrong size pillowcases this Christmas. It's so much fun and it'll annoy your partner to, uh, to, to really the extent that you probably shouldn't test them over the holiday period. Uh, Shag Shack, uh, we'll be explaining the Shag Shack to you. Uh, also, how I want to make my, uh, it's, a, it's actually an electric fire, but it looks like a real fire, quite, quite realistic actually. Uh, how I want to make it even more realistic to a normal wood burning or coal burning fire. I found something in the collar of one of my collar shirts. Uh, beautifully starched shirt. What did I find? And also why I could never be James Bond. Why I could never be James Bond. And that is what we have coming along the podcast today. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. I feel suitably refreshed now and uh, slightly more polished at the microphone. I'm not shouting at the microphone from uh, the gushing shower. So it did take me a while to put up the, sh- to attempt to put up the uh, the towel rail again. And uh, as I said, it can't hold a towel at the moment. It needs a little bit more, uh, it needs a foundation and a structure to hold it up, I feel. But it did survive a very short towel whipping because I came out of the shower and as I have done in from days of yore, I like to whip my towel as I used to be whipped on the bottom with a towel uh, after a game of rugby. And I tell you something, there's nothing worse than being whipped by a wet towel. But the, the towel rail in my bathroom survived it. I'm not sure if I have mentally survived wet towel whippings from boarding school. I mean, who, I mean, who knows? Maybe I should go and see a therapist and just uh, just talk about uh, wet towel whippings and also um, deep heat uh, radiac spray being sprayed into your into your into your pants or your jock strap or something like that. Yeah, you do not really want that. That's probably like putting that shower bomb into your pants. <laughs> but I, I think it needs liquid to probably uh, start dissolving. So you might be safe, but you would have a very uh, uh, eucalyptus menthol um, ball sack. Basically, I mean, <laughs> what else can you say? I do, I, I just put a warning out there. I think if there's a child having a shower and they're prone to peeing in the shower, probably not best with a shower bomb because I don't know if ammonia would mix with that thing. I mean, it could cause all sorts of different chemical reactions, just saying. So just a little bit of a health warning to you. So something that I've noticed, uh, which um, is, of, uh, is of great interest to me, is Nobody wants to take my blood. Well, I mean, if I go to the doctor, they can. But nobody wants to take my blood for the common good, basically. For people who, you know, maybe in accidents or need blood. Nobody wants it. Apparently, you cannot give foreign blood. I mean, if you're, if you're an American citizen, you can give blood willy-nilly. And you can give it, you know, give as much as you want. But if I wanted to give blood, I couldn't do it. I mean, I'm just worrying if the American authorities, the people on these blood drives, do honestly think 
that my blood's contaminated with mad cow disease. Now, I, I don't have any sort of bovine disease. I uh, was never fed the meal of dead, uh, crazy lunatic cows that have that bovine uh, mad cow disease. No, I was never fed that. So I think I'm safe on that. I mean, some of them. I mean, if, if you're sort of more pilgrim inclined, maybe they think any British traveler uh, to the United States probably has syphilis. But didn't the British introduce syphilis to many different countries? I mean, I don't know about it. And I'm <laughs> clean as the proverbial whistle. But, I mean, I'm just wondering if the fear is there. Do people think that if you get British blood, you might party a little bit too hard? Away from those pilgrim Puritan traditions? I just don't know. I'm just hazarding a guess here why nobody wants to take my blood. All I can think is it's probably seen as bad blood. I'm getting a little bit concerned that I do need Travis, the unusually good looking uh, odd jobs man, to come back and try to fix uh, this hand towel. And now I have an issue with my dishwasher. I mean, it, again, can you put pots and pans in the dishwasher? I think I tried to cram too much into the dishwasher. And I've always heard that it's great to boil your underwear in the dishwasher. Those those Cascade dishwasher tablets will get out any stain. So, yeah, you know, I, I put the underwear in a pillowcase and I boil it up or boil it all up in the bottom of one of the saucepans inside the dishwasher. Is that OK? I, I don't know. I'm just hazarding a guess here. So I do worry, though, um, because um, I, he caught me the other day and I and I feel that he's caught me twice singing Christmas music. Uh, first of all, he caught me singing Amy Grant's Grown Up Christmas List. Now, what a manly song that you should, should be singing, Chappie. I mean, it's a lovely harmony. I mean, you can really get into the music on Amy Grant. Um, this was Amy Grant before she uh, discovered God. Uh, and, and so we have that. So he heard me sort of singing harmonies on Amy Grant's Grown Up Christmas List. And I also feel he heard me sing the extra long Christmas pudding edition of Last Christmas. So I did promise everybody that I would not play Last Christmas because lots of people are playing Whamageddon. I am going to play Wham at some point last Christmas. I played it in November the, uh, on the uh, Butler Emporium Musical Edition uh, podcast. But that is my favorite edition of, uh, of Wham's Last Christmas. I'm a Wham Last Christmas aficionado especially the Christmas pudding mix, which is like six minutes, 30 seconds long, I think. And the perfect part, because you know, you know it's a Christmas pudding mix, is you hear George at the end whisper, I thought you were someone special. I thought you were someone special. And when he says that, you know you've got the six minute version and there's a lot of la la la's at the end. Oh, I tell you something. When I hear that, thought you were someone special and the la la la's at the end i know christmas is on its way people but you know i cannot do i'm not allowed to interrupt the whamageddon game so i'm not going to do it i'm not going to play it i'll play other george michael songs between now and christmas just to save you from suffering at the fate of the hobgoblin the evil hobgoblin that will come and get you if you hear Wham's last Christmas before December the 24th. I will rescue you. I will be your saviour. 
I will also be one of the wise men. You can call me Wise Chappie. I will have uh, probably uh, Admiral Nelson uh, three-cornered hat on when I go and visit the aforementioned manger where the baby will be screaming la-la-la in memory and celebration of last Christmas, the Christmas pudding mix. Nature's Notebook in the London Times is one of the best columns you'll ever read. And it really gets you into the mood for the different seasons. They write so beautifully. But this was uh, from earlier in the week. This autumn, I set out to love November for the first time. Previously, I regarded the month as nature's avenging angel, a callous destroyer. It was a month I respected and endured, but could not love. Now that is changing, thankfully. I was fortunate until the final week. This was a remarkably mild and dry November, often with little differentiation between day and night temperatures. The first frost down south occurred bang on time around bonfire night, and then mild conditions returned and persisted until winter suddenly stormed in during the final week. Leaf fall was gradual, not hastened by gales. Consequently, the leaves fell vertically, lay still in deep carpets, dried and started to shrivel. They rustled and spoke when walked through with childlike intent. A breeze would gather them into whirligigs and they threatened to become way ahead of their rightful time. The joyful leaves of mad March days that danced to celebrate the ground drying out after the winter rains. Seldom before have November's leaves rustled with such foresight as if to say we're getting ready to dance to the spring. In mid-November, next summer's honeysuckle leaves greened vibrantly along the underwood, telling of a midsummer's day to come, suggesting that nature doesn't look ahead, but can see around corners. Flocks of chaffinch and wood pigeon had been feeding silently on Beach's mast. Their footfall gentled the lying leaves, summoning the robin who had been trilling unseen in the undergrowth. At that moment, the event tide sun broke through after a day-long pall of cloud. In places, the forest was on fire as the autumn flamed itself out. There were two sides of every coin, every leaf or season, but also an edge. The sides scarcely matter, becoming diametrically opposed and irreconcilable, but the edge joins them together and does matter. We spend too much on opposed sides, ignoring the edge, the cutting edge, the joining edge, nature's edge. To Wordsworth, perhaps heavily under the influence of Coleridge in the following quote, nature instills a presence that disturbs me with joy of elevated thoughts, a sense sublime as something far more deeply interfused, whose dwelling is the light of setting suns from Tintin Abbey. I saw and felt precisely that in the settling of this November sun, as the roseate forest and its fallen amber leaves faded into winter's silent night. I love to recount tales of my trips in Ubers over the years. But you get to meet some very, very interesting people <clears throat> who have fascinating stories. But my God, the Uber driver I had fairly recently was a Looney Tune. He was the epitome of absolutely nuts. So first of all, I mean, never, there's a th certain things, never talk to your Uber driver about tips, never talk to them about politics, and, uh, and certainly never bring up religion. 
but I made the foolhardy tale of steering into politics. Well, it was accidental, really, because I was talking about traveling and worrying about traveling at the moment and, and everything else, different variants. So then it, of course, it takes a sharp left turn into political. And he was telling me how draconian, how he thought that Australia had basically turned into Nazi Germany. Absolute insanity, really. And he thought that the COVID rules in Australia was actually being created and enforced by China. China was the great arbiter. China was the great decider. China was basically emperor of the world and that they were now ruling Australia. This is absolute insanity. (laughs) But you have the Australians, I mean, God love them, they, uh, they do sandpaper cricket balls and do cheat on occasion, but they have the strength to stand up for themselves and they are not ruled by China. Well, maybe, maybe in small pockets, potentially. Um, but also, he also thought and was questioning and wondered if I knew specifically if Her Majesty the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, was in fact under the control of China. Oh, wow. There was a lovely article by Hugo Rifkind in The Times. Christmas is silly, but we cannot do without it. Having seen our tradition snatched away last year makes us appreciate how much it matters to make some memories. Is it just me, Hugo says, but I wondered, or does Boris Johnson promising to save Christmas seem to come around earlier each year? Having checked, though, I realise that the timing is emerging as a tradition of its own. Late summer for the past two years, but I've been thrown because this year, as, as it happened about 50 times, in September, remember the threat was going to be empty supermarket shelves, Uh, Michael Gove was put in charge in the manner of Elf. Uh, Within weeks, we'd had a labour shortage, food and toy shortage, petrol shortage. And each time, the Prime Minister will save Christmas. Now, I don't know about you. I do not want to see Boris in a very tight Santa Claus outfit. I mean, even a loose Santa Claus outfit could be a problem. And with that hair, I don't think he even fit on Santa's hat. Uh, But um, other PMs have promised to save Christmas. Johnson is the first to both promised uh, to save Christmas. Oliver Cromwell both wasn't trying but have a different job title. And in fairness, our current Prime Minister faced a harder task than his predecessors. With Christmas under real threat as opposed to a political threat, it's worth pondering exactly what it is that we fear to lose. Faith. I would have thought, doesn't care what's on the supermarket shelves, the writer, Rodri Marsden, has for the last 10 years compiled photographs of the bizarre sleeping arrangements of young adults returning to the family home. The sleeping bag by the washing machine, the cot under the multi-gym, and the most Christmas thing in the world is the build-up, day by day, towards the famille sofa slump, from the warm pub on the cold day to school plays and carol concerts and nervous children playing once in Royal David City, even if it's on a bloody ukulele. It's our memories revisited and rebuilt. Also last year, I remember talking about fire pits and garden gazebos and all those other dog doom plans that fell apart at zero hour. When things turned out to be even worse and merely bad, we were already expecting. I remember that last night 
in the local pub with the staff all ashen faced wondering what the hell they were going to do. There are reasons why Christmas has so often been dangled as the most terrible thing to lose and we should appreciate them afresh, having lost one. Lose two and a normal future shifts from when to and to if. So no, it's not silly to hope that our Prime Minister can save our silly Christmas. Save Christmas, you might save us all. From our friends at Very British Problems. December the 1st, mince pies and chocolate for breakfast, just like in November. So builders of Stonehenge could have fueled Neolithic mince pies. Excavations at Darrington Walls found that sweet foods were cooked. They include slow berries, hazelnuts, crab apples and other fruit. English heritage suggested builders could have baked Neolithic mince pies. Volunteers will be baking pies inspired by discovery every Monday of December. The builders of Stonehenge could have fueled themselves with Neolithic mince pies 4,500 years ago, according to English heritage. Excavations were done by archaeologists at Durrington Walls, the settlement where the builders of the monument lived around 2500 BC. Evidence was found that builders gathered and cooked hazelnut sloes, crab apples and other fruit. Uh, at the site, charred plant remains were found, which led researchers to suggest that the recipes had been followed to preserve foods and make them palatable. Until now, it is unclear whether the builders of Stonehenge or Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire were eating sweeter foods, but it was believed they ate pork, beef and dairy. There's no direct evidence pastry was used, but people at the time knew how to grow cereal crops and could have made pastry from wheat, hazelnut or acorn flour. The builders could have baked Neolithic mince pies using a flat stone or ceramic pot that was heated in the embers of fire, similar to, indeed, a Welsh cake. Every Monday in December, volunteers from English Heritage were baking festive pies inspired by the discovery around the hearth in Neolithic houses in Stonehenge. Susan Greeney, the charity's uh, senior properties historian, said, We know that midwinter and feasting was really important to the builders of Stonehenge thanks to the Stonehenge Riverside project. We also had access to nutritious fruit and nuts, and they may have even made cooked recipes uh, in the form of mince pies. I think I may have mentioned before, but... There's something rather wondrous about somebody reveling in their job. And I saw the other day uh, the happiest landscape gardeners. They're often here, so I, they often catch my attention. And they basically have their little shack, their little gardening shack of joy. And it's almost like a potting shed, uh, a chakra shack even. Not the shag shack, but the chakra shack. Well, it could be a shag shack. Maybe that's why they're so happy. But, you know, I wouldn't want to uh, be involved in any nookie next to a, a bunch of fertilizer. It could be a very burning experience. But they, the other day, they were in their chakra shack whistling Christmas songs. Whistling Christmas songs, uh, basically sipping from flasks. I mean, I don't think there was any booze in there, but it was sipping from a flask of joy. I mean, it's basically like a holiday, a Christmas chain of joy, seeing these guys reveling their work, doing their gardening, laughing, joking, whistling Christmas tunes. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. And I think this is the thing. You get happy. I mean, they talked about David Cameron and his little shepherd shack that he used to writing. There's something very lovely about your own little den where you can go in and make yourself a cup of tea and a sandwich. Absolutely fantastic. Maybe have a little panini maker in there as well. But it's better to have a den where you can sing your heart out and whistle your heart out 
rather than just the Portaloo. So 41 years ago, this last Wednesday, John Lennon was mowed down in his prime by Mark Chapman. I just wanted to reflect on this. I mean, after watching the Beatles documentary, I've got a whole new appreciation for John. I think Paul was the hardest working Beatle, but John had this acerbic wit, this humour. I mean, it was a cheekiness almost, but also in his eyes, this angst. And I think we need to reflect on this today. I mean, I've been watching a lot of things about the Beatles and Lennon. And uh, as I think I mentioned on the podcast last year, Lennon had long hair until like the weekend before where he cut his hair cut almost into a teddy boy cut. And he had long hair for like 10, 12 years. During the Let It Be uh, recordings, he had long hair. But in that December weekend... In 1980, he decided to get it cut back to the traditional Teddy Boy style. And I think it's worth remembering, really an icon of music and an inspiration to many people. These are some of my favourite John Lennon quotes. What you've got to do is keep hope alive. You don't need anybody to tell you who you are or what you are. And reality leaves a lot to the imagination. The more real you get the more unreal the world gets. I just wanted to share a little bit of a gift fail that I had this morning. Not the actual gift itself, but I thought that I'd done a really sparkly thing this morning and gathered some silver wrapping paper. Well, this is very, very festive, very seasonal. Perfect. So I'm not the best at wrapping, as I said at the top of the show. So... I undid the wrapping paper. I think, wow, this will be lovely and festive, silvery. And as I unwrapped the paper, it was actually clear plastic cellophane. The roll at the bottom was silver. I thought the paper was silver. But no, I've got the person... Probably the worst type of wrapping paper you could ever get. Cellophane see-through wrapping paper. So you can always see the gift before you unwrap it. Which might be a benefit. I mean, if you don't like the gift, you could just leave it sort of wrapped and you can see it. And Yep. No, thank you. Next, please. I just wanted to put out a heartfelt thanks to my darling. whose birthday. It is Thursday the 9th. You've been very, very patient and understanding and a glorious, glorious partner. Very caring in so many different ways. And understanding of my slightly odd eccentricities and a very dedicated listener to the podcast. I thank you for all of that. Your sweetness is indeed my weakness. Happy birthday, my darling. And remember, the music always sounds better with you. So some lovely trumpetable. Okay, so cleaning guru shares hack that leaves grimy old pans and takes them and leaves them sparkling. With Christmas fast approaching, you'll be able to get your pans sparkling like they're brand new in no time. All with this simple hack. 
The Cleaning Guru shared a hack that will leave your pans looking like they're brand new just in time for Christmas. Either the most conservative festive meal users, several pans, whether it's boiling potatoes, frying bacon, or steaming a delicious dessert. But after years of abuse, pans can look a little bit worse for wear, with the base blackened from the heat and baked in grime. But thankfully, there is a solution. Instagram star Jew shared the hack with her fans, and all you need is salt, baking powder, white vinegar, washing up liquid, and kitchen roll, plus a little bit of patience. In the video, how to get rid of the dark stains that are commonplace, it starts with sprinkling salt on the bottom of the frying pan, a generous dusting of baking powder before pouring washing up liquid all over the mixed powder. Covering the whole thing in a few sheets of kitchen roll, Judas pours the white vinegar onto the absorbent paper. She then leaves the mixer to rest before later removing the wet kitchen roll. This is one I made earlier, which absorbed all the hard grease and it dissolves off the pan. I'm wondering if gargling this would leave me less grimy and sparkling also. Perfect artery cleaner. Dresser Gara Sullivan admitted she had drunk pretty heavily before returning home and decided to curl up on the floor with her three-year-old guinea pig, Dixie. Many of us at this point have had to bear a haircut disaster at some point, typically with calls during our downfall, especially during lockdown when hairdressers remained closed. But lots of us have suffered a dodgy visit to the hairdressers where we walked out with a wonky fringe or even worse, a pudding bowl cut. Either way, it's practically a rite of passage to sport the unsightly cut. But what happens when your dodgy new hairstyle is caused by your guinea pig? That's what happened when one hairdresser who admits she had had a skinful before falling asleep with her beloved piggy. Gara Sullivan woke up to discover that a bald guinea pig called Dixie had chewed off her fringe after returning home from a drunken night out. The 29-year-old said she was in deep sleep after a Thanksgiving celebration and only made the hair-raising discovery the following morning. Initially, she was horrified by a chewed-up dew, but then came worried that the three-year-old piggy had swallowed clumps of her fringe and could be ill. But then she discovered the chewed-off strands next to the guilty-looking Dixie and shared the ordeal on social media. New, now hairstylist Gara has vowed to put an end to those cosy sleepovers as she fears it'll take a year for her fringe to grow back. She doesn't have any hair. It's like she's jealous of me. I take naps with her all the time, but when I'm drunk, my boyfriend will create a little bed on the floor for me because she knows I like to snuggle with her. I mean, it's a case of Surrey with the fringe not on top. Hair today, gone tomorrow. There's nothing more luxurious spending a good night away in a hotel because who really wants to wash their own bedsheets? But while a night in a fancy suite or anywhere except your own house might feel like the height of sophistication, turns out there's a few things you should know. Most hotel rooms come with a few little treats as standard, including coffee and tea, as well as mugs and glasses so we can pour ourselves some water. That's all fine and dandy, or so you might think. It turns out one former hotel worker has warned she would never drink out of those glasses and you probably shouldn't either. The Confessions of a Hotel Worker series where she recommended against walking on the carpet with bare feet. I would not recommend you drink from those glasses, she says. They're often not changed in between guests, and as long as they look clean, they're probably not, in fact, very clean at all. So you cannot lay on your bed for fear of bed mites and the duvet, and now you cannot drink from the water glasses for fear that the previous guest may have licked it. It's been absolutely smashing having you here for the podcast. Thanks very much indeed. Oh, we get closer and closer to the podcast. There'll be another one uh, before the end of the weekend, I promise you that. Uh, but it's uh, if you like to listen to the podcast 
there are many different ways to uh, to listen. Uh, the the best way, um, if you like the audio versions, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also listen to Amazon Music, Audible. Uh, I'm also on iHeartRadio, Pandora, across all the different platforms. And I did when I made myself a very lovely cheese toasty earlier. As it was sizzling, I could hear the sound of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the melted cheese. I mean, would you want to be emanating from a melted cheese sandwich? Oh my gosh, that'd be absolutely lovely. Anyway, so uh, if you like music, though, then there are another way of listening. There's a Music Emporium Butler edition of the podcast where this week there's lots of Chris Rea, there's Taylor Swift, there's The Beautiful South, Van Morrison, John Lennon, Aerosmith, Paul McCartney, Starship. We also have some uh, Kenny Rogers, some Beck, some Lenny Kravitz. Oh my gosh, what a cornucopia of musical and audio delight, people. So coming up next, we have a little December poem for you. This is Love and Friendship, Emily Bronte. Love is like the wild rose briar. Friendship is like the holly tree. The holly is dark when the rose briar blooms, but which bloom most constantly? The wild rose briar is sweet in the spring. Its summer blossoms scent the air. Yet wait until winter comes again, and who will call the wild briar fair? Then scorn the silly rose reef now and deck thee with the holy sheen that when December's blights they brow, he may still leave thy garland green. Have a lovely early part of the weekend. I will talk to you again very, very soon. But until that time, cheerio for now.